This episode has been brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House. Hello, 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 everyone. Thanks for joining us again on another lovely Sunday. This is Soul Sister Sunday podcast. This is Kim. And this is Jay. And once again, we're so excited to be back. Thank you to everyone who has been listening in, tuning in, liking our statuses and following us on Instagram. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We feel the love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone who interacts with us on Instagram has made it a great experience. We see the messages. We see the comments. So today's episode, we're going to be focusing on unhealthy relationships and their importance in our lives and what that means to us. And we're going to talk briefly about what unhealthy relationships look like and why they're important to us or why they should be important to us and what role they play in everybody's lives and how we can change the perspective on how we interact with people who have been unhealthy to us or times that we have been unhealthy to other people as well. Very informative episode. I think it'll be fun to kind of dig into it and tell different stories. But before we get too deep into it, we do have a card. Yes, and this week we pulled from the Spirit Animal Oracle deck by Colette Baron Reid. And of course, it's an Oracle deck, so it's very different than the traditional tarot deck. And this week we just we pulled the card, and the card that we pulled is number 39, Moth Spirit. And that is Surrender Now. And I will go ahead and read the Oracle message from the book, and then we can talk about it. So in the book, it says, Moth Spirit asks, what is guiding you right now? Are you in alignment with spirit or pursuing something or someone with so much tenacity that it has become a compulsive or addiction? Are you so intoxicated by a potential relationship or opportunity that you can't think straight? Hard work and dedication are virtues and love, of course, is a beautiful thing. However, when moth spirit appears, it is time to consider if you have gone over the edge in a relentless pursuit, workaholism, overeating, perfectionism, or addiction to certainty or even to a person may be your current vice. The form of your addiction does not matter so much as awareness of the consequences of remaining persistent when moderation is needed. Let go of your excessive energy by channeling it in more than one direction. The fire burns hot and you do not want to be engulfed by your passion to the ex- exclusion of all the other pursuits that matter to you. Now is the time for surrender and radical acceptance so that your drive does not cause you to flee or to fight. Spirit wants you to release your need for certainty and control so that you can relax into a more balanced way of using your moth spirit energy. Banish the shoulds and must so that you can enjoy what is as you allow for what might be. I would say that ties in perfectly to today's discussion. I do too. I think this really talks into the idea of why unhealthy relationships are so important, but as well, it makes you question what you're going to do in your interactions with unhealthy relationships. So let's go ahead and dig deep into this conversation now that the moth spirit has fired our engine. Let's start off. I think a good place to start off with would be our relationship with our parents. Okay. Only because like our parents 
they are the ones that would teach us and we would learn from them, right? So even with relationships, we learn how to interact and how to handle people based on our parents. So why not start there? Yeah, it all starts with our parents. They are the first teachers of how we interact in relationships. They are the first relationships that we have and they are the blueprint that we continuously use throughout our lives. So definitely. So then Kim, talk to us, tell us, how do you feel that your parents failed you or helped you in determining what kind of blueprint you have in relationships? Yikes. Okay. So as far as maybe failing me, I would say it's the way they kind of taught me to communicate with people. Because I've always been very quiet, very shy, very laid back. But I learned that from them because my parents don't really talk or communicate or interact in a certain way. So when I get out into the real world, knowing what I know from home, that made it a little difficult kind of to make friends and connect. That's how they failed. I'm lacking a little bit. I've gotten better, but I'm lacking. And a way that it has helped me or a positive from that I'm very caring with people. I'm very kind and gentle with people. And that comes from having parents who taught me how to be kind, how to be compassionate, how to have sympathy for people in situations. So copying that when going out into the real world can be seen as helpful. Of course, there's limits to it. I'm still learning how to set that boundary with being so giving, but it helped. That's so interesting. I think for me, I think for the most part, it falls on the failure of my parent. My dad didn't really have a lot to do with my blueprint in the making, but I think my mom took the cake on that. And for the most part, she taught me a lot of poor ways of handling myself in relation to other people. And there was never a conversation of, well, you have to have relationships with other people and this is how that looks and this is how you should treat other people and this is how you should allow someone else to treat you. It was always more of a do as I say, not as I do type of situation. And I think that is such a failure of a showcasing to a child because the child doesn't understand and they only replicate. So a perfect example, I would have to go back and think, of this one time when my mom was after chasing after her boyfriend at the time and she wanted to see if she if he was stepping out on her you know rightfully so I mean to each their own right but the only difference was that she brought me along and my and my fellow cousin along as well and so we got to see the interaction of that. And to me, that was the, oh, well, women tend to do this because they need to make sure that their man is not stepping out on them. And that is the blueprint that I grew up on. And that is a big failure. Why do you need to go chasing after a man knowing damn well that he's already doing what he wants to do? Stay at home. Keep your keep your pride intact. You don't have to chase after anybody. So for me, it was the agreements that I made or that domestication that happened when I was very young did pass over to my adulthood. And it wasn't until I became aware of the toxicity of my blueprint that I started to change it. I think for the positive or the good things that she taught me about relationships was just the loyalty. I'm a very loyal person, but I am loyal to the degree of I will be loyal to someone who's loyal to me. When you stop being loyal to me, then there's no need for me to continue being loyal to you. 
the only loyalty that is 100% true is for myself. Interesting. Very interesting. And all of that, I think that unhealthy relationships, specifically with your parents, or maybe even so with anybody, I think unhealthy relationships help you identify what you don't want or what doesn't serve you in a relationship. When I'm thinking about a relationship between mother and daughter, I think about all the unhealthy mechanisms and all the unhealthy exchanges that my mother and I had and how much I didn't want to repeat that with my own child. So in a way, you know, it was deemed very unhealthy for me, but it flipped over to the healthy side for my child. So even though it affected me in an awful way, I do think that it benefits my child. Okay. You saw where it was wrong and now you're trying to correct the wish your child as you should. You don't have to repeat the damaging things that you've learned before. Yes. As far as like, because you know, I grew up in a two-parent household. So my mom never really had like a boyfriend or a fling or anything like that to go chase after. But again, it goes back to how her and my dad interacted with each other. My mom was very much, uh, I don't even know if I say it's like old fashioned. This idea that the man is supposed to provide, provide, provide while we just sit there and, and take it and take it and take it. So that can be unhealthy too, because why am I sitting around not doing anything, expecting a man to take care of me? Yeah. And I, I held on to that for a little bit. I did until I got older and I was like, yeah, this shit ain't it. <laughs> I got to have my own. Yeah. And I also questioned that idea too. Like if you want to sit there and provide, you're allowing someone to make you a victim because at that point, that person can do whatever they want to you and you have no other choice but to take it. And that's unhealthy as well. So you're telling me if that person decides to cheat on you with Betty, Susie and and Lori down the street, then you have no choice but to be like, okay, well, here's your dinner. You pay the bills. You're my man. You're the head of the household. Then I cannot do anything without you. Oh, excuse me until next week. He had to get the old ladies down the street, though. Betty, Lori. (laughs) 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 They do sound like old people, old women's names. But no, that's exactly what I've learned from it. Like I tried to put myself in a position where I let the man handle everything and I felt like I didn't have shit for myself. He had control over the house, had control over this, and I'm just sitting here pretty much a puppy dog. Yeah, no. I tried it, mama. It didn't work. I got to do it my own way now. Yeah. And then like... Isn't that the equivalency of like a trophy wife? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Not exactly, but it's it's pretty close. I mean, the only difference is that the trophy wife, you're working with millions and billions of dollars. <laughs> okay, true. That's what I'm thinking. A trophy <laughs> wife is usually all made up, makeup all the time. Like, you know, pretty girl. Exactly. Instead of looking just average. So. <laughs> yeah, it's trophy wives have a separate wing in the mansion. You can go cheat on your wing. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I don't have to be that. It sounds cool, but no, thank you. Nothing against nobody who does it, but not over here. You know what? Yeah, that's that's true, too. I don't have anything against anybody playing that role. But at the same time, understand that that role is very diminishing to the woman or the man that you ought to be, I believe, in my opinion. Just because that takes away your 
your autonomy that takes away your independence and it doesn't matter whether you have everything that you ever needed if your spirit feels betrayed if your spirit feels hurt then that carries more weight than anything else so to me if my spirit is good then i don't care who's around me or who's not around me yeah i can definitely agree with that so you kind of mentioned a little bit about the absence of your dad so that kind of plays a role in how it can be unhealthy right yeah i believe so i think absence creates unhealthy blueprints because you're seeking you go out into the world seeking something that you don't even know that you're missing it's like i'm i'm looking for something that i don't even know what it looks like and i don't even know how to how it feels uh all i know is that it there's a void and yes i do believe so i think that creates a easy target for you to fall victim into or fall victim of a lot of situations that you otherwise wouldn't okay yes that's true but we also have to remember too that absence doesn't have to be a physical absence my dad was right there and some days he wouldn't even talk <laughs> so having that's someone true. that's not really connecting emotionally or not having like a like what's the other word I'm looking for emotional connection a more energy uh, energy daddy daughter connection yeah that that can play a role in how we handle relationships too yeah, I grew up not really knowing how to have conversations with the opposite sex cuz my dad barely talked to us at home That's so true. Thank you for bringing that up because I do believe that is so true. A lot of people think that in society, oh because you grew up in a two-parent household, you had it better off than I did. That's not necessarily true. Sometimes That's single cool. sometimes single-parent households create better people than two-parent households. And I agree with that. I'll tell anybody that in a heartbeat. A two-parent household don't mean shit. Okay, yes, your parents were there every day, but if your parents didn't have a good balance of how to run a household or if you didn't really have a connection with one parent or anything like that, you better off being in a one-parent household sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not saying that my dad never talked. I mean, I know what the man sound like. He talked. But <laughs> <laughs> would you be able to identify his voice? <laughs> I know that southern draw anywhere. I'll know his voice. <laughs> Shout out to granddaddy. We love you. <laughs> But even and it could be the age too cuz my dad was pretty old when he had my little sister and I. So maybe because of the age difference, he didn't know how to really connect with us. So even him being still stuck in his ways the way he grew up, he may have thought that's the way that you raise kids. But all that to say that the absence doesn't have to be physical. Yes. Yeah, the absence does not have to be physical at all and you could be physically there and yet be a thousand miles away from your child and that creates some sort of emptiness and some sort of hollowness in your child and that is problematic. That's an unhealthy relationship. But at the same time like we said earlier, it can it can turn out to be something that is used and harnessed and can have a great outcome but that's depending on upon the child not the parent you mentioned it for like 2 or 3 seconds a few minutes ago how you and your daughter are different than how you and your parents were 
what are some other ways that you see yourself having a relationship with your daughter that's healthy or even some ways where you feel you can improve a little bit? Oh, that's a really tough one. I think sometimes I find myself, you know, how they how the saying goes, oh, the older you get, the more that you are like your parent. And sometimes I catch that glimpse of myself and I'm just like, wow, like I see my mother in me in this way. And more recently, I have been able to accept that. But at the same time, it's more of grace that I am giving myself. Like, yeah, I see my I see my parent in me and I'm going to be graceful in that. But at the same time, I'm going to challenge myself to continuously overcome that. And I'll give a story of of something that happened recently that gave me that perspective and allowed me to change that narrative within myself. So not too long ago, it was morning time when we were running late. My daughter was filling up her water bottle uh, at home because she takes water to school. And, you know, we were in a hurry and she was feeling rushed, rightfully so. And she tripped over something and spilled her water. And she was just very frustrated and overwhelmed. And she started grunting. And I was feeling overwhelmed. And we we were just having a very rushed morning and just feeling, both of us were feeling very overwhelmed. And I told her, I'm like, you need to stop. Like, right now is not the time. And I put a dead bolt on it, like, completely quit it. We need to go. We'll worry about that later. You need to refill your water. Let's go. And, you know, we were running really late. She got to school late. Whatever. I came back home feeling guilty. I came back home and looked at the mess, cleaned it up, took some time for myself. And I felt badly about how I handled the situation because I knew I had mishandled it. And that was the moment where I saw my mother in me and I saw the reaction of my mother in me. And I think that is... First of all, I think that is one of the things that showcases unhealthy relationships the most and that blueprint that you're growing up with in these moments where you're overwhelmed, where you have no time to think. That's the moment where you see your blueprint and how scarring it is. So I decided to write a letter to my daughter and I apologized and I said, you know, I'm sorry that you felt overwhelmed and I am sorry that I wasn't able to help you overcome that. And I am sorry that instead of helping you and guiding you through your high emotions, I stopped them and I showcased you something that is not true. I'm like, next time, you know, you're in a high emotion and I'm in a high emotion, then let's get out of it together. And I'm like, I hope you're able to forgive me. I hope that you're able to still see me as the parent that loves you and cares about you. And you see me as, you know, the person that is trying because I'm not perfect. But at the same time, I want to know and I want you to know that I take accountability and and, and I take responsibility for my actions and my lack of. Because you are my daughter and I want to showcase you how to deal with high emotions. And, you know, I, I, I wrote this little letter to her. I made an envelope of the letter. I sat it in my car seat. And when I picked her up, I gave it to her. She read it. And she's all like, Mama, I appreciate that. Next time we both will sound... She read it out loud. And in the letter, I said, we'll both sound like dinosaurs, you know, getting our high frustration out together. And she's all like, Mama, I like that idea. 
we'll try that next time. And I want to hold myself accountable to that just because we are our child's teachers. And I don't want her to be getting the wrong blueprint from me. Like that stops with me. Oh, that's very nice. That's very nice. But I think I like it best that you were able to apologize to her because a lot of parents do not apologize to their kids. And that makes things very unhealthy. Yes. The kid will grow up not knowing how to properly properly apologize because their parents never apologized to them or showed them how. Yes, yes. And a proper apology is not just an I'm sorry. Like a proper apology is an I'm sorry with an action, with a reassurance because it, it, it's so important. I think that builds assurance in a child. I want my daughter to be sure that I am her mother and I'm going to do whatever I can to be that mother for her. I, I agree with that. More people, more parents should apologize to their children and more parents should display themselves as humans in front of their kids. We're not perfect. I grew up in this idea from my parent that I couldn't judge her parenting. She would always say, don't judge the way I parent you because you are nobody to judge me in my parenting of you. And I always thought that was so odd because I can judge you. You're parenting me. You're affecting me. I will carry your parenting of me for the rest of my life. And I do have a right to judge you. What is that to tell a child, though? I don't see myself ever telling my child, don't judge my parenting. I may say things like, I don't really know what I'm doing, so bear with me. I'll tell her that, but I'll never tell her, don't judge me. That takes away from a person when you tell them that. Yes, it does. And for the longest, it, it was the idea of, oh, she's doing what she can, what's best. I wouldn't say that my parents would say, don't judge my parenting, but they always made us feel like whatever they did was right. And we had to follow it, which gave us no voice, which made us scared to talk to them, which was a whole, it's a whole thing that affects us. And that can be seen as unhealthy as well. Yeah, definitely. So I would say that my, my upbringing was in un, a, a mess and a pot of unhealthy relationships. And they were very important in my life, rightfully so. They were hurtful. They have damaged a lot of my adult life but they haven't canceled it out, which is good. But they are important. I was just going to say that parenting honestly tells us a lot about how we handle our relationships as far as like romantic relationships. So let's get into that. Ooh, not only romantic relationships, but also platonic relationships too. I would say that our parenting or the way that our parents faced us and the showcasing of relationships that we were seeing, that we were shown as children allows us to figure out how we're going to interact with the rest of the world because it's not just platonic, it's not just romantic, it's work-related, it's social. It tells us how where we are in that aspect and where we put ourselves in, in relation to other people. Makes me think of people who are super clingy in their friendships or super clingy in their relationships. It's because of how their parent probably taught them how to handle people or how their parent wasn't there when they really needed it. Now they cling to anyone that walks past. 
so yes it all ties in together yes i agree i think i'm i i'll call my i'll call myself out a little bit drag my own edges i think i tend to be clingy in my relationships with my romantic partners just because of the lack of that i had growing up and when you're in a romantic connection that love feels very unconditional that love feels very deep and it feels very safe so i like to cling on to that because it just feels so good and it feels so safe which it could be damaging you know you can get into that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it could be a little damaging if they're a person like me who wants their personal space like i'm not against dating I am not against having a partner, but there are some days when I don't want nobody to look at me. I don't want to be bothered. I don't need no cute text messages. I don't need you to come over. And I think I learned that a lot too from my dad because he's very, very avoidant like that. So so I'll call myself out with that when it comes to having a romantic relationship or having a friend who's a little clingy. I'd be like, oh, hell no. Uh -uh, (laughs) This ain't going to (laughs) work. That turns you off. I tend to, I I think over the years I have, I'm a little bit of both because I do agree that independence is such a big thing for me and I love being independent and I love having my alone time. Uh, But that comes out of trauma as well. The more that I'm not around people, the less likely they are to hurt me, the less likely they are to show me how much they don't care. So I stay away from them. If I'm not around you, you don't have to hurt me. You don't have to show me how you can hurt me. But at the same time, I love love. I love relationships. I love healthy relationships. I love the interaction of, hey, we can create our own dynamic that feels right for both of us. And I think that is what I aspire to is having a relationship where we both can figure out what healthy looks like and we can grow into that together. So... I'll be clingy in that one. <laughs> you know what healthy would look like for me? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's about to be some stupid shit come out my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I kind of I mentioned before that if I were to get married, if a man out there honestly has an interest in me and thinks that he can marry me if I get married I may have a separate house or apartment so that way I can get away from my husband being in a different room is not gonna cut it for me I gotta be in a different house I'll come back but let me go disappear to my apartment that you don't know about for a couple hours (laughs) dang why they gotta not know about it that means they may pop up let's say that I don't even gotta be mad let's just say that I feel like okay I'm being kind of kind of like you're being a little overbearing I need some space I'm not mad I'm not upset I just be by myself if my husband knows where my apartment is at he might beat me there (laughs) before I even get there now I have no more time to myself so okay but if he's in that apartment can't you just stay home I'm just saying I need more than one location to disappear off to. That's all I'm saying. Okay. If he at the house and I need just an hour to just breathe and collect my thoughts, let me just disappear for an hour and collect my thoughts. I'll come back home. No bad blood. 
Okay, I think that's fair. I think that talks about the necessity to have these type of conversations when you are in a romantic setting. That way you can establish that because I do believe that whenever you are in a romantic situation, you are able to dot some I's and cross some T's with your partner and figure out what's best for both of you guys. And if that is what you choose to have in your relationship, then who's anybody to judge it? As long as it's working for both of you, and you're not running away from issues, then more power to you. Investing. Hey, real estate. <laughs> of course. Of course. I'll be something. I mean, I may outgrow it. Because who's to say how I may feel next year? Who's to say how I may feel in six months? That may be something I learn about within myself and change it. But as of right now, the thought of being in the same house with someone 24 7 makes me a little nervous I mean I'm in a house all the time with my child that's different but another person like a man (laughs) can you leave please like (laughs) you're also I mean I think about it in terms of finding your perfect partner if you find the perfect partner I don't know if I would feel that way if he's my perfect partner then we can agree to have separate times for ourselves we can agree to have moments of our time where we get to be alone in our home like you go out to the gym and during that time I'll be at home having my alone time I believe in that Um, I believe that the perfect partner will give you the skills and or the time that you need without you asking for it and or they will know what your needs are and they will be able to give that to you okay okay that sounds much better that's a more (laughs) mature way of putting you know what I said so yes I like that but all that to say (laughs) there is a way to have the healthy relationships and we have to learn how to identify when it's not healthy as well yeah that's the big deal Yes, that right there. How do we how do we start to identify unhealthy relationships? Because that's a tough one coming up from the city. You know, in the city, we saw a lot of unhealthy situations happening left and right. You blinked, you saw one. So this is in ingrained into our soul, into our daily lives, into our interactions. And we're not professionals in this either. So we're all learning still. But nonetheless, there's things that we picked up along the way that showcases us or that tells us or that guides us in knowing what unhealthy looks like. And we just want to we just want to share that, share our findings. I agree. And one thing that I do find unhealthy to me anyway in a relationship is when I don't feel happy anymore. If I start to feel like it's a burden being with you or it's a burden being your friend, then we're going to have to reevaluate some things. Yes. And now I, I want to challenge that a little bit because I do think that there's moments where you're going to be unhappy in a relationship and there's going to be moments in friendships where you just don't feel fulfilled. And I think those are growing moments. But at the same time, you do want to question whether this is a temporary thing or if there's something greater that your intuition is telling you. Because... I'll share a story of a situation that I felt was unhealthy from the beginning and I felt rather happy in it, but at the same time, I knew that there was something off. So not too long ago, I was in a situation with a person 
who did the right things and said the right things and you know we had intimacy but any time that they were not with me it was the absence and to me absence is very nurturing because once again <laughs> i grew up in a household that was very unhealthy so to me it felt homey to me it felt normal and my intuition was it feels common but at the same time it felt uneasy and i kept putting that in the back burner because i'm like oh well this is a healthy situation i'm just overthinking things and i'm just trying to find five legs to a cat that only has four so i kept putting it on the side burner i kept pushing it and it turned out that it was a rather unhealthy situation and my intuition was right from the very beginning but because of my traumatic upbringing it caused me to doubt that within myself so it just goes to showcase like your upbringing has so much to do with how you perceive the world for the rest of your life and it can make it better but it can also damage it as well so even with this like you said knowing when to see it's unhealthy it's also about knowing when to fix it right or yes. when to maybe take a step back and and really evaluate it yes yes knowing when to stop i think that's one of the things that we were never really taught to do or at least for me i was never really taught to know when to stop interacting with someone or stop in- interacting with myself at that position because it's not even about trying to fix somebody or trying to tell somebody you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong fix it it's more about how you allow yourself to interact within yourself in that situation and no one ever taught me to if it doesn't feel right just drop it <laughs> no one ever said that to me and that was never a memo that came through you know my childhood portal of these are the things you need to learn before you become an adult and to me this was the first healthier relationship that i had as an adult but at the same time there was a lot of unhealthiness in it as well and i never knew how to stop myself from it because i was already deep in it and my feelings were attached so i think when your feelings are attached you become that child that grew up in that household regardless of what kind of household it was but see that's the scary part of course like i know you said it already but we were never taught how to really walk away or let go or stop and then we keep trying keep trying keep trying do you know how hard it is well, i'm sure you know But listeners, <laughs> do y'all know how hard it is to break up with someone you've been with for three and four years and you wanted to break up after the first year, but you feel like you're too deep in this and you can't walk away? That shit is scary. Yes, that that first month too, like the you know the the what is that the the honeymoon state like that right there? How could you you see the beauty in the person that light that is casted upon your crush upon the person you love? That shit is so bright. And you're like how can I not want to be with them? They can grow this, I can outgrow them. I can I can better myself. Maybe it's me, maybe it's it's something that I'm doing wrong. It's a it's a blame game. It becomes such a complex situation that it's only complex because no one ever teaches you how to make it less complicated. Love and situations with a partner shouldn't be that complicated. If it doesn't feel like health, if it doesn't feel like a fresh breath of air, 
Ben, it's not it. No matter how you try to shake it, it's not it. That's very true. It almost makes me think about too, not to call nobody out because I know it might ruffle some feathers on a y'all girl. Girl, like girl <laughs> let's call everybody out. We calling y'all out. <laughs> okay, well, you know, the girls like to tussle, so I'm going to say something that might hurt their feelings. And the girls, we- they're fighting. They're fighting. <laughs> Can we stop trying to romanticize this whole toxic relationship shit? I see it so much on Facebook, so much on Instagram, so much on uh, any social media platform where girls are damn near begging to have like a toxic partner why is that cute that is right that right there is very unhealthy why do you want somebody who's going to disrespect you why do you want somebody who's going to talk down on you why do you want somebody who might slap you because you burn the rice mm. I, I don't understand mm. I don't want nobody slapping me because I burned my rice I'll slap them right back with the rice fuck you man <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to be the unhealthy one too I'm not condoning nobody slapping <laughs> anybody with rice. Me neither, listeners. We're not condoning no slapping of rice happening. Poor rice. Use it up. We're in a panoramic. <laughs> Girl, we're in the pineapple. We can't be racist. <laughs> but seriously, though, like, seriously. We have to stop with the trying to make toxic and unhealthy relationships look cute. That is not the goal. Yes. And quite honestly, that struggle love is not real love. Let's make that a huge listening point. I'll say it again for those that were not listening. Struggle love is not real love. You do not need to go through struggle to make somebody love you or see you. If they didn't see you the minute that they met you and heard your story or felt your energy, they will never see you. It don't matter how many years have passed. Let that go. Let that mango. <laughs> That's mostly for black and brown women, though. Like, I notice we tend to think that struggle love is real love. And I know it goes back to what we learned back in the hood, what we saw mommy and daddy do, what we saw auntie and uncle do. I get it has a background to it, but as black and brown women, we can be loved without having to go through the fucking trenches first. Yes. What, why is that? We got to stop that. Stop that mindset. Yes. Once again, stop it. No one to stop it. And quite honestly, as much as we say stop it and we haven't learned how to stop it, we cannot take away from the difficulty of it. Yes, it's fucking difficult. When you feel like your love has become physical for someone, that shit hurts your soul. That shit makes you feel like you are in pain. And rightfully so. But that comes out of unhealthy blueprints that you were raised with. Domestications that no longer serve you. And we need to stop that too. We do. Y'all are lovely women. Y'all deserve all the love without getting hurt first. That's all I'm saying. Love yourself first too, but all of that. And men too. And men too. Because I will say that, you know, men also grow up in unhealthy family dynamics and most of the time they're out here hurting women because they don't know how to treat women because no one in their life taught them how to but at the same time it goes back to accountability be accountable for how you choose to interact with someone else and if you don't know how to interact with someone of the opposite sex take a time out 
Figure out how to interact with yourself first. Figure out what you want out of a relationship with the opposite sex and figure out what you can give to someone. Because if you're giving someone unhealthiness, then you are the problem and you need to fix that. That sounds like something I told someone recently about having to find themselves before trying to (laughs) pursue anyone. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. I did come across this meme that I sent to Kim that will... You know, we'll just talk about it here briefly since we're talking about romance. Um, it says, read this when you start dating again. And that this really, I think, ties it into everything we have talked about. And it says, number one, worry less about if they like you and more about if you like them. And then two, rejection is not as personal as it feels. Liking someone or being liked is more about compatibility than inherent worth. And number three, stop choosing what isn't choosing you. If it's not mutual, why pursue it? And number four, right? Number four, ask yourself, would you be friends with this person if you weren't physically attracted to them? Be honest. And number five, stop being shocked by repeated behavior. Notice patterns and believe them. And then number six, you don't need to be perfect to be loved. Perfection isn't relatable. You can't connect to it. And number seven, your love life is one area of your life. Don't forget to nurture the rest. Significant others aside, when you visualize coming home to a life you love, what does it look like? Be specific. I think we should post that on our Instagram so the followers can see that, you know, post yourselves. Yes, that is so true. And we will. We will go ahead and post that on there so you guys can see it. But I think that within itself allows you to have more awareness and more accountability of what healthy looks like and also what unhealthy things you have seen and how to correct them. Because we can talk about unhealthy and healthy all day long till we're blue in the face. But unless you are able to move from one to the other fluidly, then you haven't harnessed anything. Yeah. Now, with all this talk about healthy relationship and and beating men with the rice whatever have you we (laughs) we also have to remember how to stay away from unhealthy relationships with friends yeah I have been friends with people who have admitted to being jealous of me that's a big red that's big old red flag a huge red flag you can't like I I, I don't even say you can't because some people will try to make that friendship work and I tried to make that friendship work I really did but at the end of the day, it just wasn't happening. That's very unhealthy. That is very unhealthy. And it's not even a flag. At that point, it's a whole horn and you're just not listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, you got to be careful on healthy friends too. Yes, I agree with that. I would also add to this. If you have ever fought a friend or quote unquote friend, that ain't your friend. That's not your friend. That's an unhealthy situation and it's a repetition of something that they have seen or have thought or they have deemed as appropriate type of love in a friendship. And that's never okay. I see that happens a lot, though, especially amongst women. They tend to fight their friends, whether they got impatient with them and their anger built up or they were drunk for a night and couldn't help themselves. But that shouldn't be a thing, in my opinion. I don't care how mad my friend make me. I've been drunk as hell plenty of times. 
But I never went charging after my friend. That's weird. Ooh, that means that they have been feeling this animosity towards you for a while. And that within itself is unhealthy because they have kept it in. And they have kept it in until it blew up. And therefore, they're showing you three things. They're showing you that they're not really your friend. They're showing you that at the first weakness point that you have, they will attack you. And three, that they have been holding this in from you and therefore have not been truthful in your friendship. All bad things and all the reasons why you don't need to be friends with them. Oh, that that makes me wonder too, the person who forgave their friend for fighting them or being really mean to them, whatever the case may have been. Forgiving that friend and then continuing to pursue a relationship with them maybe they learned something when they were little how to be more forgiving and they're taking it the wrong way because you're supposed to forgive absolutely you forgive but only you got to keep kid with somebody that person hasn't really learned how to set that boundary with their forgiving that's a hard one too that's another one too that nobody taught us yes people said forgive 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 but it's not always forgive forgive it's a forgive and get the fuck out of my face i like that one better <laughs> yeah, as we should be teaching our children, as should as we should be standing in our own saying that to ourselves because we have to be forgiving. Of course, we don't want to hold grudges. We don't want to carry on weight that doesn't belong to us. Let that shit, let that hurt go, but also let that person go. You don't need to have that type of energy because if they were in your life for the long run, they would uplift you. As much as we talk about unhealthy relationships, healthy relationships feel good. Healthy dynamics feel good. And we should want to seek that more than an unhealthy dynamic that makes you question your worth, that doesn't let you sleep at night, that has you feeling restless. Anything of that sort, let that shit go. I agree. I definitely agree. The friend I just mentioned, the one that was jealous of me and she admitted to it. I told you she had kind of circled back around not too long ago. I have her blocked on everything. She can't reach me any type of way. So she went through a mutual of ours to relay the message that she wants to talk to me. And I still haven't contacted that girl. I'm not saying that I don't forgive her. I'm not saying that I'm better than her or anything crazy like that. But I'm saying I've, upset, I've, I've come to terms what happened with us. And I think we should leave it where it's at. There's no need to join back up and keep keep power for girls bullshit. Like you stay where you're at, I'll stay where I'm at. That's it. Yes. And it's hard to do that. It's very hard to do that, of course. But we have to learn how to do that for our own sanity. Yeah, that right there. I don't think anyone should have a guarantee in anyone's life. And I say that from the perspective of I don't speak to my family because they were so unhealthy to me. And I hate when people say, but it's your family. You have to forgive them. SpongeBob face with the little arms like a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) You know what meme I'm talking about. SpongeBob silly dance. (laughs) (laughs) The SpongeBob silly dance. There you go. (laughs) I hate when people say that to me because it's telling you that my boundaries are not enough and my pain hasn't been enough. And to me, I forgive y'all, 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 y'all forgiven for whatever happened in my childhood that I can never take back and I can never redo. But at the same time, I don't need to have the constant reminder of that in my face because I chose to forgive you and have you a part of my life. 
you can suck my left toe. That's true. That's true. And that's the line I hate too. But it's your mom. But it's your dad. Okay, I know who the fuck they are and I still feel the way I feel. Right. Like, and they, I, don't, I don't like the idea of telling people that. I don't even tell people that. Like, you don't... Mm-mm. That's a no-no. Yeah, and it goes back to our children too. I always tell my daughter this too. And it might be from the perspective of, you know, this is what I grew up with and I don't want to repeat it with my daughter. But I always let her know, like, I want to earn my keep in your life. I don't ever want you to wake up one day and be like, oh, I am forced to be, you know, a child to my mother. No, I want her to wake up and say, I want to be a child to my mother because she deserved it, because she loves me, because she has shown me healthiness, because even though she might be this and that, and she might have struggles of her own and demons to slay every day, she still shows up for me in the healthiest way. And it, when she's not on, when, when she is being unhealthy, she's aware of it and she changes it and she comes back and has a moment of clarity with me. And that's what I want my daughter to gain from our interaction of I'm earning my keep in your life, whether, you know, it's this or that or this, or we're struggling with this, but we're going to get through it because I want to earn my keep in your life. I don't ever want her to wake up and say to me, I don't want you in my life because you damaged me and you don't know how to say sorry, or you don't know how to make things better. At that point, I feel like I failed if I ever had to deal with something like that. Yes, I tell her that too. I I would feel like I did fail her and I wouldn't want that. I I want a healthy relationship with her and I do have a very healthy relationship with her, but that's out of hard work and out of dedication to that. Of course, of course, you got to put in the work for, you know, that type of healthy dynamic with your kids. Of course, it's kind of hard to say about me and my daughter. I would say it's healthy, but it sometimes could be a little unhealthy because I allow her to get away with so much. And then it's it's like, it's so crazy. When she get away with so much, and then when I try to step in and be the parent, she'd be looking at me sideways like, what's your problem? So right there, we can use a little help. I will admit that. But overall, like, we talk, we play, she sit here and tell me many things. We've been very open with each other lately. So it's getting better, but I just gotta put my foot down. We're going to, uh, what you call that? That boundary. That boundary. <laughs> I forgot that bold B. <laughs> I was going to say, I notice a lot of mothers have that too as a problem, especially if they're a young mother. They tend to be more of a friend than a parent to their child. And of course, later on down the line, when they're adults, you're supposed to have that friendly relationship with your child. But as eight, nine, 10 year old, they should see you more as an authority figure, more as the person that parents. So that, that's that's a, a little iffy to navigate. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it has a lot to do with the way that we were raised by our parent, especially our mother, because our mother tried to protect us from things that they taught they thought would hurt us, but never spoke to us. Therefore, we turned around and have children who are girls. And we don't want to repeat that. We don't want to repeat the, oh, I can't talk to my mother. Therefore, I'm going to be my daughter's best friend. And we tend to lose sight of that. And, you know, it's the idea of trying to be healthy, but not knowing how to be. Therefore, we're just trying to navigate as we go. We're trying to wing it. But the idea of healthiness, from my perspective, is accountability and research. You cannot create something that you don't know how to do from scratch. You cannot go out and bake a whole three-tier cake not knowing where to start. You need to pick up a book. You need to ask for resources. 
And we fail to do that. Why? Because we were taught never to go beyond our community, beyond our walls of our house for help. And that's another issue that has a lot to do with unhealthy relationships and how to get healthier in our interactions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That does mess us up a lot, especially within our communities. Okay, I'm not trying to talk down on white people. Love y'all to death. But I've noticed that white folks will go that extra mile, that extra stretch when parenting. They go outside their communities. They don't mind researching and calling up professionals. And true enough, they may have those resources that we don't have. But at the same time, too, we were never taught to go find them either. So there is a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah. And we were never taught to expect them either. You know, for my daughter and I, I think she expects me to get that help whenever I need it. Why? Because I put that in part of of her growing up. Anytime I say I don't know it, I say, but I'm going to find out what I need to know about it. So give me a couple of days and let me get back to you on that. So there's that expectation that grows with them. Of She don't know what she's doing, but she's going to figure it out and we're going to be just fine. Yep. Yep. I'm the same way with my child. I always tell her, mommy, fix it. That means I'm going to go find a way. So she knows <laughs> it's handled. <laughs> That's interesting. But I do want to get back onto the friendship. I know we skip around a lot because it all ties into each other. But I do want to get back to the friendship and say this in terms of dynamics, unhealthy dynamics. I recently came across this post that really made me think and it made my heart feel sad because it brought a lot of emotions of an unhealthy relationship. It says, men talk about friend zone a lot but something that doesn't get talked about is the pain you feel as a woman when you realize you didn't have a friend you had a man pretending to care for you so he could sleep with you and i wrote or girl slash woman because we live in a new world and that made me think about the unhealthiness that sometimes you find yourself in in terms of friendships there are there has been many times where I have had girlfriends who've had crushes on me, who've had liked me, but they've only stayed my friend because of that crush, because of their like to me, expecting more from me than a friendship. And to find that out, it's so heartbreaking. Not only because I trusted them as a friend, but because of the lack of they only saw me through the lens of googly eyes and not the lens of unconditional friendship. That's really rough. And it's like almost they stick around in hopes that you will start to like them too. Yes. Or they'll somehow, I don't know, what do women do? Win I guess me give over. you batty eyes and flirty eyes and kind of kind of guide you into their, uh, <laughs> their love boat, I guess. I don't know. Yes. But <laughs> and to their love punani. <laughs> well, see I said love boat okay guide you to their vagina <laughs> it's it'll be like you it in there <laughs> but you don't play with people like that absolutely even if you never were to grow to like her as more than a friend like you said she took your friendship for granted she was yes. using you as a little what's the word I'm looking for like a sex object or even like a like a little toy like it, it 
it's stupid she shouldn't do yes yes i think it's both men and women whenever they're in that situation whenever you're in a situation when you know somebody likes you as a more than just a friend and yet you only like them as a friend it creates this dynamic this power this power dynamic that is so hard for you to feel safe in and I don't think a friendship can grow out of that. And I don't think a romance can grow out of that. Because at that point, they're manipulating you. They're guiding you into something that you truly don't want. Because if you saw them that way, you would have seen it from the beginning. No, I can agree with that part. I can agree, but somewhat disagree. Only because I've been friends with guys who came out and said they had a crush on me. They liked me, whatever. But I was always flat out honest. We could only be friends. I don't like you like that. You cool, but I am not really interested. And even though I may have hurt their feelings at first, they accepted the fact that I was being honest with them and we're still friends to this very day. So it, I guess it depends on how you let them know too. I, I, I would want to challenge that because I still think that people who start with, oh, I have a crush on you, let's, and you tell them, oh, I don't feel that way. In the back of their mind, they will always have that, well, one day she may wake up differently. Or maybe I may say this this thing, or she may see that I'm still here after so many years, and I may be the last one standing, and therefore she sees me. So there's always the n- inkling possibility that they s- may say to themselves, but maybe one day, therefore they stick around. I don't agree with that. I think that anybody that has a crush on me or has had a crush on me, in the past will stay in that field of this has been a potential or not been a, whatever this has been a potential lover not potential lover they have had interest in me therefore i cannot have an unconditional friendship with them i'm always gonna think if they do this for me they might want to do something else with me and i'm not okay with that and therefore uh-uh, i don't i don't mix business and pleasure for that exact same reason if you like me You could like me, but you're not going to be my friend. If you're going to be my friend, I hope you never tell me you love me or are in love with me or fell in love with me because at that point, our friendship is over. (laughs) Shut that shit down. Yes, with the quickness. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, well, I I agree with that to an extent. But the one friend I do have in mind, we went to high school with her. When he came out and told me he liked me and I kind of like let him down easy and stuff like that. If I were to ask him to his very day, hey, you remember when you had a crush on me so-and-so years ago? He'll be like, girl, fuck that shit. Never again. So that's why I say that. Okay, and that's <laughs> we fair. We can still be friends. Okay, maybe that's one in a few. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe over the years they become something different. I'm thinking about a specific person that has come to me and said, oh, I have a crush on you, but yet try to interact with me as a friend, knowing damn well, if I'm caught in a vulnerable position, they're going to want to sleep with me. I don't want to be friends Mm -hmm. with that. For what? So Mm -hmm. after you get my goodies, we're friends again? You're trying to dibble and dabble? No, fuck that shit. Exit to the left immediately. Well, isn't that how friends with benefits start? Yes, and that's a huge problem. That's why half the world is butthurt. <laughs> okay, okay, true, true. But I'm, it's pretty common for friends to do a little hanky-panky, but don't be nothing more than friends. It's not exactly an ideal situation, 
but very is, common. Is that friendship though? Is that friendship? They say it's friends. They say it's friends. I don't know. I think that for my friends. I exactly. Neither do I. I think with the with benefits, it's bolder and louder. With with benefits, because when those benefits stop, that friendship stops. You can't call that person at three in the morning because you got a flat tire and you're scared in the middle of bumblefuck. No, because after they get you out of bumblefuck, they are going to fuck. So. <laughs> And they're not going to help you win rent money either. So is that really your friend? Uh, I would say no, just off my my little opinion over here. But your to others, big that opinion. <laughs> I don't know, listeners. Y'all have to get, y'all going to have to let us know. Is friendships with benefits really a friendship? Or is it more benefits than friendship? Oh, can we put a poll? Yeah, we'll put a poll up on our anchor. See what happens. Okay, well, there you go. Let us know. Anybody who's hear. dealing... Yeah, we want to hear anybody who's dealing with a friends with benefits situation or have been. Even if you have and you got your opinion on it, let us know. We like to hear it. Yeah, I also think that friends with benefits don't end up in serious relationships and or long, long relationships or long marriage either. I... I I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if that's a new it. I don't know. I'm not out in these streets too often, so I don't really know. Uh, from what I've seen, it's not like a zero chance of it happening. Maybe more like a 25% chance, which isn't that high, but... <laughs> I do want to read this post uh, that I found on Instagram that talks about signs that you have made a friend for life you know how we're talking about friendships and unhealthiness but let's talk about how do you know whether you made something real and of course I sent it to Kim and of course we're both like eh, this describe with us which is great because I do think that my relationship with Kim is a very healthy one and once again it goes back to accountability I believe that we're both very accountable to our friendship and how we interact with each other, as well as accountable to our own personal growth that allows us to have a healthy relationship, which is key. And it says, signs you have made a friend for life. They keep you grounded, they're honest, and they truly want the best for you. They are inspired by your successes, not envious. You don't have to pretend or fake anything around them. You are comfortable even in silence. They do not only make you laugh, they also understand your pain. They accept you for who you are and they love you for it. And that's it, that's all. All of these are great indicators of a good friendship, of a solid friendship. And I think we should aspire or look for this more often in people and if they're not meeting these criteria always reevaluate your relationship with them oh well put okay so now let's go ahead and move on to the next question even though we say that unhealthy relationships are beneficial and they're important in our lives i do think that we have to know what to do with them when they are no longer serving us or when they have done their due diligence in our lives and what it what that looks like does that mean we cut them off does that mean we just tell them off like how do you deal with unhealthy relationships 
Kim. <laughs> Tell them fuckers off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't always have to go to that extreme. <laughs> We from the hood. Find them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You don't go cussing people out unless they really ask for it. But how I've handled it before, I always take some time to myself. Like, again, I'm not the best at cutting people off right when I should. I do tend to keep them around longer than what they deserve. And it all kind of builds up. And as it builds up, I'm keeping mental notes of everything. Oh, that bitch did this. Or oh, that bitch did that. That motherfucker said that the other day. I'm keeping mental notes of what's going on. It takes that one straw that broke the camel's back to make me really feel like, okay, this is it. I got to say something. But even with that, I don't say it right away. I tend to tell them, I'll circle back around to you in a day or two. Give me some time. I disappear for a day or two and I come back and I let them know this is what it is and this is why I no longer wish to talk to you. And I do it with grace. I try to keep it as gentle as I can regardless of how mad I am. But that is how I handle those situations. I cannot say that I've honestly cussed somebody out for everything they are and everything they're not and walk away. That's not who I am. So that's how I handle it. Oh, then I'm a whole Gemini here because I've done both. (laughs) (laughs) Gladly. And in both, I think you still stand in power. I've cut, I've cussed people out because it has gotten to the point of, oh, now you're really trying my gangster. And I'm in Bumblefuck, but don't, don't ever forget I'm Chicago Brett through and through and I could pull up at any goddamn moment so let's not ever forget that but at the same time it's after so much grace that I have given them I do believe in being graceful and I do believe in moving in love like we always try to tell our listeners move in love move in love but also love is knowing when to stand up for yourself and knowing when to start a fire And you can start a fire out of love. You can start a fire out of anger. Why? Because those are the points of your being that protect you the most. Those are the points of your being that say, I've had enough. And today I say basta. And for me, when I cut somebody out, it's because I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I'm over it. And you're going to hear everything I got to say about your dusty ass. And you're going to sleep on it. And you're going to wake up the next day thinking about what the fuck I just told you. And guess what? That's going to create a ripple effect and you're going to feel it. Because if I had to feel the annoyance of your unhealthiness in my life, why would I keep you away from feeling your own unhealthiness? That's not servicing you. That's not servicing me. If anything, that's making me a victim. And God forbid I'm a victim. So you and I are alike in a way that we don't cut them off when we should. We kind of let it build up. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but you, <laughs> but you cussing people out right off the bat. I don't think I could. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't even cut. <laughs> no, I don't even cuss them out right off the bat. It's more of a hey, this is how I'm feeling. I give you an opportunity to change it. I allow you to see where I'm coming from. Yet you're not doing it. Therefore, you're not seeing me. Therefore, you're not honoring me. And I am frustrated. And you catch me on a bad day and or you think all is well. Let me show you how all is not well over here. 
And maybe that's my Capricorn side. Maybe that's my Latina spiciness. But man, sometimes putting up with bullshit allows you to feel like you're less than. Ain't nobody allowed to make you feel less than. Show the motherfuckers off who who the fuck is boss. Show them who you are. Because obviously they forgot. And rightfully so. When you remind somebody who the fuck you are, they step they step carefully. Yes, they do. And then, you know, you That's can true. cut them off gracefully. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They learn who the fuck you are and kind of have to take a step back and think about how they... Yeah, readjust. There you go. There you go. Now, what I have done in the past, too, after I nicely told someone while no longer fuck with them, I have blocked them before they could respond. <laughs> and that's kind of the petty side of me. Like, I said what I had to say. I don't want to engage in a back and forth. I don't want to hear no sad, sob ass story. Here's how I've been feeling for a while. You take that and do what you want with it, but don't say shit else to me. So I, I've done that before. That's interesting. Have I done that before? Hmm. Have I told someone how they made me feel and not responded to or allowed them? I think there's beauty in allowing someone to tell their side of the story from their perspective, because I do think that it goes back to accountability. You know, if you're in a friendship and I'm only specifically, you know, going to talk about friendships because romantic relationships are complex as fuck. But in friendships, you should be allowed to tell someone your side of the story because they may learn from it. They may learn where they're lacking. You know, I recently had a termination of friendship happen where I didn't understand the position that the other person was taking until they told me. And even though I didn't agree with their perception and it created a lot more hurt for me, it allowed me to see where they were coming from and it allowed me to see their position. And it also allowed me to see how much we were not on the same page and therefore we couldn't continue our friendship. So there is benefit in it. I think that in the right circumstances, it can work to your benefit at, in growing yourself as a person. Okay, okay. So yeah, at times it can be a benefit to it. But my thing is, I don't like going back and forth. I don't like the whole, I said this, you said that, I said this. Okay, at this point, we're going in circles because I made up my mind. I don't want to fuck with you no more. Just just shut up. Leave me alone. So that's why I kind of like don't care to hear the other side of the story sometimes. That's fair. That's fair. I think think your position is fair to take. I think I haven't done that, but I think it's because of my blueprint as well. I want to know, I want to hear where it happened, where things broke down so I don't have to have this experience again or try to minimize this experience because quite honestly, whether they're friendships or romantic partners or whatever else is in between, anytime there's a breakdown in a relationship, that shit hurts. That shit makes you look at yourself differently and it's a painful revelation of who you are and who you're not and it makes you question yourself so I want to minimize that as much as possible and I think the only way that I can do that for myself is truly understanding where I went wrong in a friendship or in a relationship or an interaction a connection with someone okay so it's more for growth or a little bit of healing if there's something to come from that I get it 
Yes. Yes. And also helps with grieving. I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't talk about whenever we're talking about unhealthy relationships. The level of grieving that you need to do after that relationship has been terminated. You cannot grieve an unhealthy relationship by moving on to an un- another unhealthy relationship. Ooh, I agree with what you're saying, but I've heard people say completely different and they have valid arguments as to why they thought different. But I agree with you, though. Wait, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. We can just skip over that. What you mean? <laughs> Some other podcast I was listening to. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of it right now. It may come to me later. But I was listening to a different podcast and they were talking about this whole needing to wait after getting out of a relationship and one of the hosts is kind of like that's bullshit first of all nobody's gonna tell me how to grieve if I feel like getting attention from somebody else to kind of fill the void of this other person that's my fucking business that's not nobody's place to tell me what's right what's wrong what I should and should not do and then I'm just telling you what she said girl and then also (laughs) she goes on to say that oh crap how does she word it it was almost like saying people who are against moving on so quick are kind of like ho shaming and we need to stop falling into that. I can't remember her exact words on that part, but it kind of summed it up like that. Okay. I disagree with that wholeheartedly because yes, you're right. People don't have the right to tell you how to do something, but at the same time, you don't have the right to use somebody else for your grieving process. And I say that wholeheartedly because I have been in situations where people have jumped from their relationship, from their toxic relationship onto onto me who wants a healthy dynamic. And guess what? They ended up bleeding all over me. And guess who get to guess who got hurt in that process? Me that didn't want anything to do with an unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy dynamic. So yes, I'm not ho shaming anybody, but at the same time, you don't have the right to use somebody for your benefit just because you are hurt. Sit in your hurt, sit in that and figure out what it is that you need from yourself. Why are you using someone else? Oh, because you're not strong enough to sit in that hurt. Valid point. (laughs) But I agree more with you. I don't like the idea of if we break up today, I'll have a new boyfriend by next Friday. Oh, that's 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 a little bit too quick. That's a little bit too much too soon for me. But everyone has their own way of dealing with things. So yes, I I don't even think it's about like I don't even think it's about moving on so quick yeah you can find somebody that can show you a better life really quickly yes if you come across a person that shows you healthiness and you are in a you're coming out of an unhealthy situation and you want to jump into it with them then all the better god bless you and hopefully that's a healthier dynamic for you but at the same time have you grieved yourself have you grieved for who you lost in that situation the answer is no you haven't okay true I'm not talking about grieving the person that you left. No, I'm talking about grieving yourself. I'm talking about taking the time and saying, hey, I'm all right. My heart hurts. But you know what? I still got 10 fingers, 10 toes. Uh, I'm okay. I've made it. Damn, that shit was difficult. Damn, I almost died. Damn, my spirit almost fucking died. You haven't had time to do that. And when you jump from one situation into another... You don't give yourself that honor. You don't allow yourself to say to yourself, we're here, we made it. This is what we have learned. This is not, this is what we're now going to repeat. 
you're just going from one section to another. You're just going from one matrix to another and you don't even know who you are anymore. Why? Because you change any situation that you're in, whether it's friendship, platonic, work, etc. You become a different version of yourself and you have not had the time to honor yourself if you're jumping from one situation to another, period. But who's to say they, I don't even know if it's called grieving at that point, but you know how some people in relationships when they know it's not going well when they know they're kind of over it they already have one foot out the door and with that one foot out the door they already know this is not working for me this is who I really am this is who I really want to be they, they've already assessed self so to go ahead and break up with them just gives them leeway to go on to the next person in a week or two so who are we to say that they weren't already processing this they weren't already learning themselves to get away from this person I understand that people may do that, but I don't, I mean, healthy looks healthier. I I think that healthy has a similar trait regardless of how you're viewing it. And healthiness does not come out of rush. No, that's true. That's true. Good things come to those who wait or however that saying goes. Yes. Yeah. Or whatever Jesus Christ (laughs) said. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh anything worth wait oh shit I almost had it anything good is worth waiting for maybe that's a better quote for this situation yes I I all say that's a good quote for this situation and I'm not saying do what you do I mean back in the day my mama always used to stay un clavo saca el otro clavo meaning you know one nail takes out the other nail meaning you know just lay up under another man if you want to get the other man out of your thoughts and that's not true that's not true if you love someone, if you fell in love with someone, it don't matter if you go on and be with the fucking president, the fucking king, the fucking prime minister. Guess who you're going to be thinking about? Guess who you're going to be yearning for? That person that broke your heart, that person that left you with wounds, scars, and everything in between. Give yourself time. That doesn't mean that you want to get back together with them. That just means that you're honoring your struggle. That means you're honoring the history that you had with that person. That means you're honoring the pain that that person put you through. And you have to figure out how to get over them and figure out who you are again past them. I agree with that. You kind of mentioned too that even in work situations, we're a different person, right? Yeah. What about unhealthy work relationships? Yeah, how do you get out of them? Like, how does that happen? Oh, I've been in a, I've been in a few unhealthy work relationships, and I think for me, it has gotten to the point where I, I, I will take a page from your book where I have just kept mental note of the unhealthiness and try to figure out how much of it I can take. And once again, it goes back to my interactions with my parents and and the lack of that. I allowed a lot of unhealthy situations happen in my work, but it's gotten to the point where I've said, this is no longer serving me and I don't know why I'm putting up with this. And I have rightfully said, I'm out of here. The fuck you got me fucked up today. (laughs) No, as you should. As a person who works in HR, y'all understand this stuff. So as you should. I remember when I had my daughter and I worked at a juice bar and the owner of the juice bar only had a few employees and she requested me to come back to work four weeks after I had my daughter. And, you know, I I'm like, okay, but I have to bring her to work with me. And so she was okay with that, you know, but after a while, 
I guess she felt that, you know, I was younger and yet she was older and didn't have the same type of life that I did and felt kind of, I w- I'll call it jealousy over my life. Um, and she started taking it out on my work and my performance at work. And it was a point where she got mad at me and she started trying to take it out on the things that I did at work. And one day she caught me on a bad day and I told her like, I'm not working here anymore. Uh, This is too much. And she kept egging me on. And I still remember this day vividly where I remember looking at her and I'm saying to myself, like, I have two choices right now. My first choice, attacker, physically attacker. I'm, you know, from Chicago, from the city. I have a lot of hormones running through my body. I just gave birth. I'm going to attack you. Or two, go home because I have my daughter and I don't want to go to jail. And I know this bitch is going to call the police. And I, I chose right. You know, I grabbed my shit. I didn't say a word to her. She knew she was wrong. She knew dead ass that she was wrong. Grabbed my shit grabbed the pants that I had brought in because I used to bake for her from my house and so I grabbed them took my ass home quit that day went home crying because I couldn't physically attack her. went home crying and I told my baby's father who I was with at that time and we figured it out from then but that was probably the first time that I said to myself this is an unhealthy situation at work and I am gonna do something about it and I did and within a few days I had a job lined up and that was the universe saying you did the right thing here is your reward a better position for you that is a lot healthier for you ah yeah okay well it's good you got out of that situation and you knew not to put your hands on her Oh, girl, I almost did. I almost did. Sometimes I wake up like I should have put my paws on you, girl. You got me fucked up. (laughs) Do you ever get these flashbacks of unhealthy times in your life where you're all like, man, I wish I would have handled that a little bit different? Oh, of course. Absolutely. All the time. (laughs) PTSD moments is what I call them. Those PTSD moments be hitting hard. Because I look back at that, like, I could, uh-uh, I, how, how dare you? Just because I was your employee does not give you the right to violate me that way or insult me in any manner. Like, I'm a person and I deserve respect. And y'all gonna give me the respect because I fucking demand it and I command it. No, I agree with that. Some bosses do abuse their power. I had a boss that would... Uh, I don't want to call it love bombing because it wasn't like a romantic relationship, but she would do things like that. She would make all of us feel like we were doing everything wrong, made us feel like we were the size of ants, just a very difficult person some days. And then she'll turn around the next day. I bought breakfast for everyone. I'm paying for lunch. I'm going to Walmart to get treats. Y'all want anything? And it was like, you just made us feel like shit yesterday. Now today you're so sweet. That right there is unhealthy, especially from a boss. Mm -hmm. Imagine her children and her partner. Yikes. Well, see, the thing is, she only had one child, but her daughter was grown. Her daughter was like in her 20s or so. And her husband left her when her daughter was like 10. And she ain't had no husband since. 
So that says a lot right there. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. I know I had a situation with my recent uh, supervisor. Not too recent, but when I got into the position that I'm in currently. And it was a point where she was trying to yell at me. And I looked at her like, yeah, nah, Sway. This ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I told her, I'm like, I'm sorry. Y'all don't pay me enough to get yelled at by you or anybody. Like, don't nobody yell at me. Not even my mama because I don't speak to her because she yelled at me too much. Like, don't ever get it twisted. No amount of money is going to demean me. I'll go on unemployment. I'll go beg on the street before anybody yells at me. Especially your boss. Exactly. Especially your boss. Who's paying somebody else is paying you, boo. Like, for who? For what? Do you own this company? No, you don't. Sit down. No, some of them get too too big-headed with their title. And it's a damn shame, but it happens. Uh Uh-uh. So anybody out there listening, don't, don't be a punching bag for your boss for your boyfriend for your girlfriend for your friend for your kid there's boundaries to be had for any type of relationship you're in even with yourself that's why a lot of people are in therapy because we don't know how to talk to ourselves why because again it goes back to the blueprint that we were raised under that was a lot to unpack so let's talk about some potential red flags that we may pick up on in terms of people when interacting with them. I think for me, the biggest one is ambivalence. If someone is ambivalent in your life, that is a great indicator of an unhealthy dynamic that is growing. Ooh. A big red flag for me. Is a man that got too many kids. I'm sorry. Don't, don't come for me, y'all. I don't mean nothing by it. But if a man got six, seven kids, four or five different baby mamas, I have an issue with that. I'm going to think he has issues. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. And, and I mean, as much as we say don't come for us, I mean, do have a good conversation with us because that is so telling. You're telling me that you could not make it work with three, four different women and you procreated with three, four different women? Make that make sense, Sway. You're just out here taking chances and dropping your seed off everywhere. I've always been told from my mom and different people that if a man got a lot of baby mamas, he has issues. He's trying to hide something or fill a void. So always be aware of that. You could be as cute as you want. You could be successful. You can be a damn good father. But if they all start to line up and you got a fucking football team, I may have to send you back to where you come from. Yes. And I think it would be different if they had a football team with one person and it didn't work out. And, you know, they're in a healthy dynamic with that one person and, you know, trying to find their partner. That's different. But if you're having a whole basketball team and you have a whole coach team as well, then baby, sit down and play the sport. At that point, just take a seat. Take a knee. (laughs) Well, there's one of my red flags. You have another one. (laughs) I do. As far as like, and I'm I'm thinking about it in terms of not just romance, but in friendships too. I think truth, that's what I'm looking for. Transparency. 
there's so much beauty in being able to be transparent with someone and being truthful with someone that you can see whether or not you're going to grow with someone. If they're not being truthful with themselves and or with you whenever you do need it and holding you accountable to the things that you are saying that you're going to do and or the way that you want to move differently and they're not meeting you there, that's a big red flag. And I say that because I've had situations with friends where I'm like, you know, I'm trying to be more healthy. I'm trying to be more accountable of myself. And they look at me like, that's great that you're doing it, but they're still stagnant in what they're doing and how they're moving. And they view that as a, oh, but that has nothing to do with me. That's not necessarily true because your friends should inspire you, should make you feel like you too need to up your game. And if that's not happening in a friendship, then that friendship is going to be dying very slowly and very painfully. So you don't want somebody who's avoiding growth or not looking for growth. Yeah, that right there. Thank you. Avoiding growth is a big red flag. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I'm going to eat healthier now. That's that is great. Eat healthier. Great. But at the same time, it's all intertwined. If you're eating healthier, but not thinking healthier, then you're not doing anything to grow. Okay. Okay. No, that's a very good one. I like that one. A red flag for me. (laughs) In friendships is a controlling person. I've been with friends who thought that their advice was law. And if, I didn't act on their advice or do something they said they took it as me not being fair or me not listening to them me not caring and that's that's far from the truth so please no controlling friends big red flag yeah that right there you know what I now that I've I've had time to look at a specific friendship that I've terminated I feel that that is so true friends that give you advice and look at you sideways when you don't take that advice and they start looking at your friendship like, oh, she's not worth my time because of that. It's so telltale. Like, excuse you, who made you the Pope? And even the Pope don't be giving advice in terms of law. It's exactly. It's a recommendation. But as a friend, you never tell, you never expect your friends to do what you tell them to do. You can tell them this is my suggestion and I hope you take something from it and, you know, apply it. But if you don't, guess what? That's their life. And I hate for friends to think that it's their duty to fix you. It's their duty to make your life better. It's nobody's job to make anybody's life better other than that person wanting that for themselves. I don't want nobody telling me, oh, it's because you're living this way because you didn't listen to me. Well, are you my mama? And even my mama don't know what's best for me. I think friends like that who try to control you is because they can't control their own life. So they got to, you know, be in control in some type of way. Ooh, that is so telling. Stay away from those people. Yeah, that's my red flag. No control over here, please. I don't follow rules well. So please, <laughs> no control. <laughs> I do the opposite of what I'm told to do. And then I'll be like, huh, you sass so? <laughs> Usually, usually, yes. I cut corners like a motherfucker. So don't think you're going to come over here telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, that's so funny. What's another red flag in friendships and or oh, you know what? Another red flag for romantic relationships would be when you're first getting to know somebody and you ask the question. I don't know if Kim, you asked this question, but I do. Are you a cheater? Have you cheated on previous people in your past? And for me, that's a big red flag. I think people who have cheated on previous, you know, relationships will cheat on future relationships too. And or you need to figure out have they outgrown that or have they learned in terms of how to deal with that. Because people who cheat don't know one the pain that they cause to the awareness that they need to have and the responsibility that they are taking on. And I don't want okay. that. See, I was just going to say that would be tough to find somebody who hasn't cheated before in a relationship because honestly we all cheated if a person were to say oh I've never cheated before okay well maybe you never had enough relationships or you you're lying flat out you gotta be lying <laughs> like I, I, I don't see how somebody can not be a cheater I haven't cheated you never cheated a day in your life with one of your partners boyfriends rather I'm talking about serious relationships. I'm not talking about no fling. I'm not talking about like high school relationships either. I'm talking about serious committed relationships where you have taken on the responsibility to be in a relationship with someone. And I've only had one relationship that has been, well, technically I have two, but I don't think the second one really counts. <laughs> but see, no, now you're picking and choosing what counts. Cause even, okay, of course, flings don't count because there is no establish your mind, all that shit. That never happened. So flings don't count. But even boyfriends you may have had later on in high school, or boyfriends you may have had in your early college years, that was still a boyfriend, right? I've only had one boyfriend when I was in college, and I didn't cheat on him. And it w- once again, I think that just because I-, I will pull myself out of that together as well, because just because I didn't cheat on him doesn't mean that I didn't hurt him. And it doesn't mean that I didn't have my fair share of hurt in that situation. Um, But I did not ever step out of my relationship with the intention of having sex with someone or being in a situation that was romantic in that aspect with someone else that wasn't him. Um, I don't believe in that. I am not the cheating type. And I say I've only had one big circumstance and the second one wasn't because even though the second time that I did have a situation we know we established that we were boyfriend and girlfriend it turned out that to be the whole thing was a fallacy so I think that vetoes anything that may have happened in that situation and even if we're looking at it in that situation I never stepped out of that does that make sense okay okay yeah so you're one of few who have never cheated in a serious committed relationship but I've only had one and a half so. <laughs> okay, so it goes back to my point. It goes back to my point. If you say you haven't cheated before, it's because you never had a lot of relationships. You had one and a half. That's not a lot. <laughs> <The half. laughs> Wait, so does that mean you have cheated? I would be lying if I say I haven't. I, I didn't feel oh. good. I'm not the cheating type, though. I am not the cheating type. I don't go out here and just actively cheat. It came to a point where I feel like I was pushed into that. And that's me kind of like not taking the full accountability for the situation, but I'm not an active cheater, but I'm not perfect. 
then that goes to my point too. I would want to know like, okay, so you have cheated. So let's say you and I are getting to know each other, you know, in a whole different sphere. And I asked the question of, oh, you have cheated in previous relationships. And you've said, yeah, it wasn't the best time. It wasn't, you know, the position that I was in. Then my question would be, well, would you do that again? And what would stop you from doing that now? And I will let you know that I am not an active cheater. I'm not going to actively cheat on you. However, I have learned from my mistake in the past. So if it came to a point that I was not happy in a relationship, I would come to you before I go out there and find somebody else. That was in this is now. Exactly. And I think that's the question that we should be asking. And that is a red flag, regardless of, you know, whether you did it in the past or whether you wouldn't do it now. It's still a red flag. Well, what made you want to do it then? And what's making you not want to do it now? That's a topic of discussion. Let's discuss this to make sure that you have evolved from it in order for us to continue moving forward. Because that is a red flag. A red flag doesn't mean automatically mean dismissed. A red flag means A, inquire more about this and see if it suits you and or is aligned with your beliefs and values. Okay. Okay. Well, that I can agree on. I'm just saying... I. I understand why it could be a red flag, but if I ask him if he cheated in the past, if he say yes, I'll be like, well. Welcome to the okay. club. Hell yeah. <laughs> what would you do? Can you teach me some things? <laughs> no. Oh, that's crazy. See, I asked because I also want to know, like, okay, so there's a possibility that you have cheated in the past and there's a possibility that you may think about cheating on me. And that's going to alarm me. That's going to make me feel like, oh, maybe this situation is not best for me. And you're right. I don't think that I have come across another man or another person who I have been romantically involved with that has said, no, I haven't cheated. But I think that goes back to our blueprint. You know, nobody ever taught us to get out of situations that no longer make us happy. They have just said, continue moving forward and continue being selfish because cheating is out of selfishness. It is not yes, out of duty to someone else. It is not out of love for someone else. It is not out of respect. It is out of selfishness. And our parents taught us how to be selfish. That's a big issue. Yes, absolutely. So all that ties into, I just went automatically judge a person because they cheated. Now, if you, <laughs> again, it goes back to the whole idea of being an active cheater. If you cheated once or twice, in different situations, okay, I, I would be able to understand that. But if you cheat with every person you ever been with, okay, now you need to leave me alone. Now mm-hmm. you need to go call your therapist if you got one. Now mm-hmm. you need to go do some soul searching. Mm-hmm. And I think that right there allows you to not get hurt too. Even though it is a discomforting question to ask, and it also puts you on the defensive side, and it's a terms of vulnerability type of situation, it's valuable. There's so much value in asking that question of someone that you are interested in. And if they can't be honest with you, then that's another issue as well. Why would you want to be with someone who cannot be honest in their flaws and their faults in their previous situations? That's true. Okay, so that's another red flag right there, not being an honest person. That's what romantic or friend, whoever... Yes. That's a big red flag. I don't lie to you, so you ain't got to lie to me. Exactly. And I try not to judge anybody. So if you feel like I'm going to judge you, I'm sorry, but I try my best not to, but you don't have to lie. Yeah. And if you think I'm going to judge you and you're not allowing me the benefit of the doubt, that's another red flag too. Why is it that you're not allowing me the benefit of the doubt, of the doubt but you want me to give you the benefit of the doubt? That is That, that doesn't sound fair. That don't sound equitable. 
because it's not it's not you want me to have all these good graces with you but then you can't do the same for me that's very unbalanced mm-hmm. that right there is unhealthiness anytime that you feel out of balance in a situation dip immediately before things get a little bit deeper and, and your feelings get into it because once your feelings are in it then ooh baby <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> oh, that's true. I think another red flag is lack of availability, and I understand Ooh, people have lives. I get that. You know, people have their things, people have goals, people have issues. But in terms of connections, in terms of friendships, in terms of building relationship with someone. You need to be available to them. And I'm not talking about 24-7. You know, I did say I'm a little clingy at times, but I'm not talking about being available anytime I need you. No, I'm talking about having specific times to give to a relationship, whether it's friendship, platonic, everything in between. You need to have that time to build that relationship. If you're not giving time to a relationship, that means that you don't want that relationship to grow. And that's a red flag. If someone is not giving you the time to grow with you, that person don't care about you. It don't matter what you're talking about. It don't matter if you're 15 years into a relationship, into a friendship. If they're not giving you time today and you know you need a friend and they know that you need a friend and or you need their them as a partner and they're not helping and they're not supporting you, then that's a huge red flag and you need a dip. I agree. I agree. Even with my avoidant, don't come over here self, I would say like <laughs> still be somewhat available. I yes. agree. Yes. And that whether that's a text message, whether that's a late night phone call, whether that's something, if there is no constant connection, there's no constant communication of some sort, that person don't care. And let that be loud and clear. It's, they're saying it with their chest without saying it. And we're just too blind to see it. Well, we need to take our goggles off and see that motherfucker because that shit is bold. Ooh. Lots of facts just got stated. Yes. I don't know if this is something that all Black women who deal with men outside of their race deal with, but I mostly date outside of my race. And one big red flag to me is the microaggressions that come with dealing with white men. Like a lot of white men say racist backhanded things and then play dumb when you call them out on it. If you really feel that way about black women or black people, you don't got to come this way. I'm not your fucking fetish. I'm not your little sex toy. If you fuck with me as the person I am and not because you got some little crazy ass fantasy. Ooh, all right, all right, all right. So I ain't black. I don't know if you guys know that. I don't know if you guys acknowledge that part, but I ain't black. So can you give me an example of what that looks like? And there's maybe a lot of listeners who are who are wondering what kind of situation you talking about? Because microaggressions can be seen throughout many different ways. But do you have an example? Yeah, I got a couple examples, of course. And you know what? The whole word microaggression, I'm starting to really hate that word. I'm gonna call it like it is. It's fucking racism. Yes. But that's besides the fact. That's besides the fact. But <laughs> for example, a couple of white men that I've dated or dealt with in the past, they listen to hip hop and rap music. And in a lot of our music, the N word is thrown around heavily. I understand that you're just repeating it because it's in a song, but have some respect for my black ass sitting right here and don't fucking say it. Even with a guy that I was dealing with recently, 
he uses the n-word so much and every time he used it I would get mad and then I noticed that he didn't see nothing wrong with it because his black friends allowed him to say it never called him out on it and I was like no it's got to stop here you know the history behind that word you know how ugly that word can be to me why do you think it's okay to sit here and just throw it around I don't even say that word well I say when I'm around my other people but around white folks I don't say that fucking word so why do you want to sit here in front of me as a white man and say it every 10 minutes disrespectful that is so true that is so true that's being so so tuned up girl it's just this who blows my fucking mind but that's that's one example and then like the other examples could be of saying things like i had a man pull the whole i don't see color type of bullshit with me and i was like oh no this ain't gonna work <laughs> this this is a problem <laughs> just stuff like that like don't don't be that fucking shallow and dumb you know what's going on in the world if you really claim that you like black women that you're really a part of the black community and ally like you say you are you would know that this type of shit is not okay Mm -hmm. so that makes me question am I just one of your little chocolate fantasies or do you really like me like this is stupid Mm -hmm. yeah that's so true it goes back to do I do you feel supported or do you just feel like they're here for their benefit exactly exactly so that's a red flag for me white men are welcome but don't come here with no stupid shit because i'll show you the door Ooh, better be some woke white men even them sometimes they can be a little bit too woke and start talking out the side of their necks and it's like hold on now you haven't lived the experience hush up that's true too <laughs> that's true too i think that's a big red flag too when when y- people try to tell you about your identity more so than they they can even grasp like how are you telling me about the struggles that i've had that i have been dealing with but you have heard them five minutes and you think you get the grasp of them you think you understand you think you know how to solve my issues i hate people that's explaining yeah white explaining mansplaining because it happens a lot with men and i don't deal with white men because uh-uh uh-uh mm <laughs> The way my my history set up, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not black. I'm not black. But nonetheless, white people also damage my people. <laughs> and I ain't going. Oh, my God. Okay, so, that's fair. That's so fair. I do get the mansplaining aspect of, of the people that I have dealt with in terms of like how they choose to deal with me and try to fix me i hate people who try to fix people i don't need no bob the builder i don't need (laughs) you to fix me boo and you are half broken yourself don't come over here trying to fix me how about you turn around and look at yourself in the mirror and fix that oh no it's always easier to fix somebody else than it is to fix yourself Mm, say that again so people who are not (laughs) fixing themselves is a red flag that's a big red flag especially if they want to sit back and point at you and pick apart you but they don't know where to start with themselves you worry about the wrong shit at that point yes and they don't see themselves as something that needs to be fixed either i think that's a huge red flag everybody needs fixing everybody needs some healing everybody needs some awareness everybody needs to grow some it don't matter what level of growth you're in you're still always going to continuously grow we're always evolving 
a new year in our life is always a new year to continue evolving and people who don't see that that's a big red flag how are you telling me that you have stayed the same your whole entire life that's not true you have stayed stuck to your domestications and your agreements and that is a stagnation of growth and i'm not with that that shit is a complete turnoff oh girl we went through all these red flags like a fucking war going on oh fireworks it's the fourth of july (laughs) (laughs) all of that to circle back and say that these unhealthy relationships that we have experienced in our life truly do dictate to us what we want out of life and how we see ourselves interacting with them and we could gain a lot of wisdom from them so don't be afraid of the fact that you have been in unhealthy relationships or an unhealthy connection instead ask yourself is this truly where i want to be is this truly serving me and do i see myself in this type of situation five years down the line because if the answer is no to any of them then baby find the door find the window find the crack and blow that shit up amen <laughs> <laughs> amen hallelujah <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between that wraps up this week's session i hope you guys had fun listening to this topic it's a very interesting topic uh hopefully we come back to it at a different time let us know if there's any topics that you guys want us to discuss specifically and don't forget to tune in to our next drop kim do you remember the next one that Will it be our podcasters one? Yes, it will be our podcasting one. Do you want to give a brief description of that? So with the podcasting episode, we are going to pick two podcasts to listen to. And we'll take notes on it, listen to certain episodes, get a feel of the podcast in its you know entirety. And we'll come back and give our reviews on it. And we'll shout them out. We'll tell you where to find them. We'll tell you all the details. And it'll be a good old fun time. Yes, you're hoping to bring a lot more spotlight to other fellow podcasters. Because I do believe in, well, we do believe in building community. And the way that the podcasting community has been so open to us, we want to give back. So if there are any podcasters out there that want to get on our list do slide into our DMs and we will start creating a list of potential people that want to be listened to. And we'll do a combination of people we think we want to listen to and people who want to give, want to be given a special shout out. I think it'll be fun. It'll be very enjoyable. Yes. So tune in to the next one next Sunday. And until then, please stay well and as always move in love. This episode is being brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House.